welcome to another exciting episode of the Biohacker Bondi podcast, where we get into all things health, wellness, longevity, and of course, biohacking. I'm your host, Jenny Jones, aka Biohacker Bondi. And today we have a very special guest who brings a wealth of knowledge and experience in the field of health optimization and longevity. Joining us is Sarish, the wellness director of Next Health, a cutting edge center focusing on health optimization and longevity. Sarish's journey into the world of wellness is both unique and inspiring. With a background that includes a struggle with chronic health issues, his personal experiences have fueled a passion for understanding the complexities of human health. His educational path took him through traditional medicine, having worked at prestigious institutions like Massachusetts General Hospital and pursuing medical studies in India before making a pivot towards preventative health and longevity. At Next Health, Sarish plays a pivotal role in guiding clients through advanced health screenings, personalized wellness plans, and innovative treatments designed to enhance and extend quality of life. His approach is deeply rooted in evidence-based practices, combining his extensive knowledge in traditional medicine with the latest advancements in functional and integrative health. In today's episode, we'll delve into the importance of comprehensive blood work, the role of genetics and personal health, and how lifestyle factors like diet, sleep, and stress management are crucial in biohacking your way to optimal health. Sarish will also share his insights on common deficiencies, hormonal health, and the impact of environmental toxins on our well-being. So whether you're a seasoned health enthusiast or just starting your wellness journey, this episode is packed with valuable insights and practical advice to help you unlock your health potential. So now let's dive in to this amazing episode with Sharish. Welcome to another episode of the Biohacker Blondie podcast. I'm really excited for this one because I'm such an advocate for blood work and seeing what's going on inside our bodies. And we're with Sarish Poyusani. You got it. You, you got it as close as you possibly get. Poyusani, without me repeating it. Basically, <laughs> the wellness director at Next Health, which is a wellness clinic um, here in LA and a few other places in the US. And you yes. deal with patients and uh, blood work and all these things. So I'm super excited to get into this with you because yeah, there's just so much to learn since you are dealing with patients every day and you get to see what's going on with the blood, with the, you know, all inside. So if you want to just give yourself a little background history and how you got into this space and yeah, I would love to hear your story. Well, a full history would uh, take the entire day, so I'll spare your listeners uh, all of that, but I'll kind of give you the highlights of it, which is uh, growing up, um, I dealt with a lot of significant chronic health issues throughout uh, many, many years, many decades, actually, very severe atopic dermatitis and allergies. I was dealing with my own health issues, uh, and uh, so I was interfacing with the uh, medical system a lot. I have a lot of family who are doctors. I was, I was always interested uh, in health and I pursued a, uh, a very traditional path of medicine. I did, you know, pre-med, I did a biology undergrad. I worked at Massachusetts General Hospital doing research after undergrad. I went to medical school actually in India. Uh, so I have kind of this uh, education, but during that period, I was dealing with just very severe chronic uh, illness the whole time. And, um, that made me, um, you know, just be my own advocate uh, throughout this entire process. And 
you know, I kind of had a change of uh, mindset about how I thought about all of these things. Um, one good thing that happened for me uh, from traditional healthcare was a medication came on the market in 2016 called Dupixent that effectively um, made me healthy to a large degree. But I also got a lot more interested in lifestyle health and things such as nutrition and movement and sleep. And I dug really, really deep into those topics. I had a little bit of a career change. Um, I started working at a preventative health and longevity company. Uh, those words didn't even make sense to most people, <laughs> health optimization and longevity back then in uh, 2018. But that's what I started doing. And uh, since then, I have been immersed in the longevity field for uh, over five years. I've been immersed in kind of the preventative health uh, side of it for, for many, many years. Uh, I've been working with clients uh, from kind of a functional health standpoint. And uh, a lot of what I do is actually centered around blood work and um, just giving guidance to people around how to be as healthy as possible for as long as possible. And so that's really the expertise. And uh, that's what we're here to talk about. <laughs> what was this medication for? Or what so it's a, it's a medication called Dupixent, and it was a, it's a monoclonal antibody drug. It's a new class of medication. So what I dealt with when I was younger, uh, actually, I mean, up until I was like 30-something, was severe atopic dermatitis, which is a, a very uh, significant chronic condition that affects your skin. It's an allergic condition. It's very debilitating. You're always itching. Um, allergies are a very multifactorial, complex thing. There's a lot of triggers. Uh, a lot of it has to do with environment and lifestyle. Um, and uh, historically, the treatments, unfortunately, have not been that great. They've been centered around steroid medications, powerful uh, immunosuppressants like prednisone, where people might be familiar with. They essentially shut down your entire immune system to a degree because uh, the, the, the root cause of this issue is an overactive immune system. And this is actually what a lot of people deal with today with chronic illness in America is that their immune system is misfiring all the time. And that leads to a massive inflammatory response that could be quite frankly debilitating for most people. And that manifested in a very significant way in me. Um, and luckily um, uh, in around, I think around 2015, I was accepted into a clinical trial for a okay. medication called yeah, Dupixin that Effectively, it was a very targeted dose, a, a, a drug that worked on very specific receptors. Um, that was very, very helpful. But I also um, had to work a lot on lifestyle as well, like nutrition uh, and a lot of other variables that affected this. So that, that's what yeah. happened then. It always comes like you have to do a whole circle of health. It's not just, you know, one pill. It's, it's never. Yeah. Med medication is game changing for a lot of people. And I think that's very important for people to understand because... Okay. In the holistic health community, there's a tendency to kind of poo-poo away all medication, which shouldn't be the case. Um, it, there, there's a time and a place for it. Uh, but at the same time, in kind of the over-medicalized traditional health community, the medication is the answer to everything. And that's also not the case. You don't want to be on medications for the rest of your life either, um, depending on what you're dealing with, obviously. And um, there's so much around lifestyle and even supplementation to some degree that could be very beneficial. So you want to integrate all of those things if possible. So did you completely cure your autoimmune? Is it, was it how long did it take with the medication, you know, and what other uh, things were you doing to help with that? 
Yeah, so so I would I would be hesitant to ever use the words completely cure when it comes to uh, immune disorders, just because of the nature of them. They are chronic by nature, and um, what it did is it resolved the symptoms significantly for me. So I went from a state of just being very uncomfortable, very itchy, and just having literally open weeping lesions all over my body. So that means like throughout the night, I couldn't sleep. I could be, at one point I was literally doing medical school rotations and I couldn't wear shoes because of my, the lesions on the, on, on my foot. It was crazy. It was wild. Um, so it, it was just very, very significant. Um, and, uh, what that medication did so well was it, uh, it gave me kind of a window of opportunity. It reduced a lot of those symptoms for a significant period of time. Yeah. Unfortunately, like many medications, there is often um, kind of a tapering off effect where the potency of the medication starts to lessen over time. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I experienced that. So I still deal with these allergic issues and all this. But what it allowed me to do was it let me focus on kind of these lifestyle aspects that so much of, you know, of, of these holistic practitioners uh, emphasize, right? Like nutrition and movement and sleep which are really kind of the underlying root cause. Because when we think about, you know, these immune issues, so much of it, my, my, my issues manifested in my skin, but so much of it actually manifests in your gut, right? Because your gut is actually, when I say your gut, I mean, it's not your, your stomach, it's actually your small and large intestine, uh, is the major uh, interface between your immune system and the outside environment. And um, I grew up, and, and bless my family's heart for this, but they had no idea about nutrition. We didn't know anything. So I grew up eating Fruit Loops for breakfast. I grew up eating, you know, little De- Debbie snack cakes for lunch. I grew up eating literally whatever I wanted, uh, Coca-Cola. Like it, it was, I was a picky eater on top of that. So I, I don't know how, I just don't even understand what happened. But for like 20 years, I'm just talking about the worst diet possible. And this this likely, you know, was a major component of how 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 it manifested clinically for me, uh, how these symptoms manifested, and how severe it got. And back then, you know, I used to go see dermatologists, allergists. It, it, it was crazy, and this informs my decision making now because back then, no one said a word about nutrition. No one even. Like, like they did allergy testing and they told me to avoid peanuts. So that was, that was, that's great. But beyond that, beyond that, there was just no discussion of how nutrition might have, and maybe they didn't know that much back then. Right. And so there was no discussion of nutrition and movements, all these variables, our stress response is very, very important in how these uh, symptoms uh, are, are manifest, essentially, right? So there was no discussion of any of these things. I was clueless about them. And even now, uh, you know, even going through medical school and stuff, they barely touch on them, um, but they're so important. So I think um, so much of that was not dialed in back then. And that really, I think uh, it caused issues with my gut lining, even though my digestion and stuff was fine. But that was a major issue. Um, and then, so today I focus a lot on things like nutrition and eating healthy. And, um, that I think plays a big part in, uh, one of the reasons why I don't deal with as many issues these days. So since you work for next health and you have access to all this, all this, these lab tests, have you done every lab test on yourself? <laughs> I, I've pretty much done everything. <laughs> yes. I've pretty much done everything. I've, I've been my own uh, experimenter. I experiment with a lot of things. I mean, I'm just really interested in this space. The space is moving fast. 
Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I do a, a lot of blood work. Blood work is very, very useful. And, and I'll actually give you a very interesting example here that I think is interesting because, you know, uh, dealing with chronic issues, uh, I remember being young and uh, wanting, you know, seeing doctors all the time. There was these long waiting lists to go see doctors. Then you sit in the office for like two hours sometimes before the doctor even saw you. And you'd have all these hopes and dreams that the doctor is going to finally tell you something that is going to be helpful, hopefully, to resolve it. They come and see you for like seven, eight, ten minutes. Um, uh, I'm not even able to explain everything I want to explain. And, and then they prescribe a medication and, and then you're good, right? Th th this is the experience of most people who deal with chronic illness in America, unfortunately. And that's uh, no fault of doctors. They have very limited time. The incentive structures are, are misaligned and they yeah. do a very good job of Listen. dealing. Yeah, they, they, they do a great job of dealing with acute illness, right? You break your arm, go see a doctor. You know, you have you have some sort of trauma, go see a doctor. But with chronic health issues, it's a different story. And um, uh, because of that, um, you really do have to kind of self-advocate and be into those things. Uh, and then, so uh, fast forward a little bit to 2000, um, I don't know, it was right after college for me. I was working at Massachusetts General Hospital, which is Harvard's, uh, Harvard Medical School's number one teaching hospital. It was essentially considered the best hospital in the world when I was working there. And uh, when I worked there, I was like, my God, I have access to the best healthcare in the world. I'm going to take advantage of this and I'm going to figure out what's going on here. That, that's what was, that was my mind process when I started working. <laughs> okay. So I go, I make appointments with every, I got the best insurance. I made appointments with an allergist, a dermatologist. I made appointments with everybody and I was probably the most annoying patient. I get all blood work done from the doctor. I get all the comprehensive panels. At that point, I was still feeling like low energy. I had this issues. I knew something. I was just like, there's something going on in these steroid medications they're prescribing. That's not the whole story. So I remember doing blood work. And I asked my doctor, and I was like, I want to do comprehensive blood work. I want to know my vitamins and minerals. I'm just not feeling good. There's something going on. Um, and the doctor, huh? You just know. Like, you know something's off. Yeah. Yeah. Most patients have that experience, right? Intuitively, they know something is not right. Now, the physician, on the other hand, they have a very specific way of addressing this. But if you just go in there with like low energy, they're not going to tell you much, right? They'll do some tests. If it's clinical, they'll tell you, but they're not going to tell you uh, uh, everything that you want to hear necessarily, which might or, might or might not be a good thing. But essentially, when I got my blood work back, the doctor was like, you're fine. You're good. Most people have probably had this experience. I was like, are you sure? And, and they're like, yeah, you're good. Everything checks out here. Uh, there's some abnormal values, but she's like, oh, they're nothing. I was like, what about my, like, I was like, my energy is low. I know B vitamins have a lot to do with energy. What about my B vitamins? And stuff like that? She's like, no, all, they're all great. I was like, all my vitamin and mineral levels are good. And, and, and for me, in my mind, I'm thinking like, here I am, I'm dealing with some sort of like chronic health issue. I'm not eating that well. Like I'm, I'm eating like pizza for lunch and stuff like that. This is once again, like a while ago where before we use much nutrition, I was like, there's no way like everything is good internally. That was just my intuition. But this doctor, this like one of the top rated doctors of the top hospital in the world is telling me I'm good. Right. So I was like, all right, that's fine. I'm good. Um, but, but, but that was my experience. We're just going to take a quick pause to mention my amazing sponsor, Equip Foods. I am obsessed with all of their products, their protein powder, their organ supplements, but I also want to talk about their collagen, which I love. 
Clinical studies show that collagen improves the health of your joints, gut lining, connective tissues, and skin. I just put a scoop in my coffee every morning, and I will also add the collagen to my almond milk when I make cappuccinos to make it extra frothy. Their grass-fed collagen formula uses the absolute highest quality bovine collagen available. From cows pasture-raised on small farms in the U.S., it contains 15 grams of grass-fed collagen peptides and none of those unhealthy additives or artificial ingredients found in most products. Complete Collagen Unflavored contains only one ingredient, grass-fed bovine collagen peptides, while it's the easiest way to support healthy joints and tissues and support recovery after an injury. Equip Foods was so kindly to offer my listeners a 20% discount code BIOHACKERBLONDIE20 for 20% off any of their products. So go check them out because all of their products are amazing. I will provide the link in the show notes below. And so now let's dive back into this episode. It wasn't until much, much later when I got into the functional health space and we could talk about functional health versus more traditional allopathic uh, medicine, where I realized there were different ways to look at blood work and interpret blood work and different ways of understanding what's going on from a traditional healthcare perspective. um, Yes, um, levels have to be low enough and it has to indicate some sort of classified clinical illness that insurance companies recognize for them to prescribe a medication specifically for that. Um, And so there's all these incentive structures around that. And so like vitamins and minerals and stuff like that, they're very much deprioritized in the hierarchy of things that affect you. But the issue is they actually have an outsized effect on not only how you feel, but on chronic disease progression itself. So if you do have low uh, levels of like B vitamins and vitamin D and minerals and stuff like that, it affects a whole host of things. It affects all sorts of different things. And now this is what we do. This is what I do is we look at blood work in a much more comprehensive manner and hopefully give you more insights to help you feel better and also make sure your health outcomes are very positive in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, blood work is, and most of the time, like if I'm dealing with a doctor, I have to be my own advocate and ask for specific, you know, tests like, Hey, check my selenium, check my iodine, or they don't typically do that panel for me. So it's like, you have to be kind of, and which affects my hormones, affects my thyroid. So these little things, it's kind of like, you have to be your own advocate, kind of do some research and ask for these things, um, or go to next health and do like the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, you go to your doctor and do this. The thing is, they have to think about: is the insurance going to cover it? They don't want to fight with insurance. Like, like it, it, they have to think about all of these other things. And, and so, the perspective, obviously, in an ideal world, the perspective is: is this test going to help you? Tell you something? You know, some good information that's going to help you? Like that's really what we want to know, right? Yeah. Um, and like I said, there's a time and place for traditional healthcare providers, and it's very, very important. Um, uh, but th- there's other ways also to address health. And what I truly believe is addressing health from a, from a, a preventative health lens and from a longevity lens is actually the most important way to make sure you stay healthy uh, for as long as possible. And, and we get into the details of that. And I think it's just, yes, it's, it's, it's an investment, but it's just, it's one of the best investments because it's like, it's your life, it's your health and you can be adding years and 
daily energy and everything. So, but so let's get into the blood work. You guys offer like DNA testing. You guys offer like nutrients, just kind of all around, right? So, do you want to give like your typical like a patient comes in? And you just kind of do like a typical blood panel and then maybe do you guys check for mold or how do you, the microbiome? I mean, you guys kind of have all the tests, right? We do have all the tests and, and, and at some level that's actually pretty confusing too, right? Because there's a million variables. Well, one way to think about this is with, with the human body, you're dealing with quite literally the most complex thing in the universe. And there's a million variables and there's actually a lot of variables that we don't even know. So there's a lot of entry points into this. And so everybody is going to be a little bit different uh, in how they kind of uh, come in. But that's why we, we usually like to start with standard our standard panel, which is called a baseline bl uh, blood test. And it actually is very informative. And it's the type of blood work that everybody should be getting at least twice a year in an ideal world. And that tests about 50 different biomarkers. And I'll talk about some of the more advanced testing that you brought up, like genetics and mold um, and, and a few of those very important things. But we, we and especially for de people dealing with uh, chronic health issues, um, you know, autoimmune issues, we see a lot of like Lyme patients, stuff like that. You mm -hmm. definitely want to have more information, but in general, uh, we do have something called a baseline blood test and we test about 50 different biomarkers. And the way we think about this is first and foremost, what, uh, what are the major uh, chronic diseases in the United States, right? What are people dying of? What are people being disabled by? What is killing people? You know, when you're 70 or 80, what, what are you dealing with, right? And, and we know the answer to that. We know the answer to what kills people in America. And, and the vast majority of those can be boiled down to four things, all right? Cardiovascular disease, cancer, metabolic disorders like diabetes, and neurodegenerative disorders like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. Uh, Peter Atia, Dr. Peter Atia calls these the four horsemen. Literally up to 70 to 80% of all death can be attributed to those things. They're all very much connected. Even things that people um, that die of, like kidney disease and stuff, are all connected to these other things like metabolic disorders. Yeah. And so there's this very integrative way of understanding all of these things, and they're all very much connected. But we can address those, and we know the biomarkers that are important to keep in check in order to address those. So with our baseline test, we test all the important things in order to uh, make sure we're addressing that, essentially. So, um, for instance, like a lipid panel, right? A lipid panel tests like cholesterol levels, for instance. The fat in your bloodstream is one way to think about it. You might go see your doctor. You know, in the past, they might have looked at your cholesterol, and then they looked at LDL cholesterol. Now we know a lot more information. In fact, there's things yeah. like apolipoprotein B. There's LP yeah. little a. Yeah. It, we get such a good picture of cardiovascular health. And I want to say something that might be pretty controversial, but no one should be dying of a heart attack anymore. If you take the right precautions, um, it, it just shouldn't exist, but you have to be on top of it, right? And so by looking at blood work, doing the right testing at the right time, we could be on top of heart disease. And that's one of the things we look at with our, um, with our lipid panel that's part of the, the blood test. The other important thing is metabolic health. When I say metabolic health, I'm talking about like blood sugar response, mm -hmm. insulin response. Mm -hmm. um, hemoglobin A1C is a term that, that your listeners might be familiar with, which is a three-month average of your... Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a three-month... Yeah, so, so, so that's really important. It's a three-month average of your blood sugar level, and 
It is um, metabolic health affects everything. It, it affects a heart disease progression, cancer progression, neurodegenerative disease progression. So it has a wide ranging uh, impact. Uh, it, it touches every single physiological system in your body. So you want to keep your metabolic health in good order. And the best way to do that is to track hemoglobin A1C, fasting insulin, and fasting glucose. We look at your kidney and liver health. Everything goes through your kidneys and livers. Those are such important organs. So we want to keep those healthy. We do a metabolic panel. Um, we look at um, you know a, a CBC, a complete blood count. This is something your doctor might do, the health of your blood cells, especially your white and red blood cells. Um, and then another thing that a traditional healthcare provider might not be as trained on is inflammation markers. Inflammation is a buzzword. Right? Everyone, says, everyone says inflammation, but what the hell is inflammation, right? What is going on with inflammation? <laughs> but yeah, we all have inflammation. We, have, we all have inflammation. Uh, some people have more inflammation than others, but uh, inflammation, one way to think about inflammation is your immune system's response to like dealing with uh, different things. And what we want to differentiate between is acute inflammation and chronic inflammation. This is very, very important. Acute inflammation is not a big deal. In fact, in acute inflammation could actually be protective, right? Just to give you an example, you go lift a weight at the gym, all right? You go lift a weight at the gym, uh, your muscle is actually going to go through an inflammatory response. It's an acute inflammatory response, but that, that acute inflammatory response is actually going to lead to a positive adaptation, meaning it's going to lead to growth of your muscle, which is a good thing. If you do that chronically, like meaning you're, you don't stop lifting, your, your muscle is just going to die, right? And that's the essence of chronic inflammation. Your immune system is always triggered. And because of that, it, it causes immense damage to your body. It's like a fire that just never burns out. And that is a root cause of so many chronic issues. And so when we say we want to reduce inflammation in your body, that's really what we're talking about. We want to reduce chronic inflammation or the inflammatory burden that your body has. Uh, as we get older, um, we're more susceptible to that. Our modern environment makes us more susceptible uh, to that as well. And that's why there are so many people dealing with inflammatory conditions from allergies. Allergies have skyrocketed. We barely even had a word for allergies 200 years ago. And, and, you know, people having asthma, I mean, I, I think that was so uncommon, you know, 30, 40 years ago. And now it's like so many people are dealing with asthma and eczema. And it's just like, I, you know, everywhere I go, someone has something going on, you know, that you can't, I'm, I'm always talking to people about their health. So that's why I always like everyone, you know, has something, some autoimmune disease. I'm like, where this wasn't common. Like this is now it, becoming the typical. I'm like, it, it, it's not normal at all. Autoimmune conditions are, are it, like the allergies, right? Like, like, like literally, um, you know, over 50 years ago, this was not a common thing. Now it's almost abnormal to not have an allergy or not have. So, so, so people think like these illnesses just happen. Like it's because of genetics, you're just going to get sick or, uh, you know, I see billboards like, you know, something I saw some billboard the other day, hot girls have IBS or something like that. Oh, like, 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 so IBS has just become normalized. Like, like everybody should just walk around with just like IBS symptoms, I guess. <laughs> this is not, yeah. Like everybody should be, everybody's going to be bloated or have issues. No, this is not the case. This is not how, how it should be. Right. There's something deeply wrong 
with our modern environment that is causing this issue. And a hypothesis, and we can think about this for a second, right? Our immune system is probably, of of all the biological systems in our body, is one of the most important things, right? Because as we evolved, it was this constant battle between parasites, you know, bacteria, pathogens, viruses, and us in the wild all the time for millions and millions of years. And so this is a highly evolved system. And then all of a sudden, you change, you change the game, right? And we, when we solved so many issues. So, so the first thing I want to say is, thank God we solved all those issues. Modern medicine is a miracle, okay? One in like three babies used to die. Okay, that's crazy, right? Like, like, like we, we antibiotics were, were a game changer, right? M- mortality was so bad back in the day. So, so we made tremendous progress in dealing with acute issues, and mm-hmm. we we should be thankful for that, right? We've come a long way uh, as a human species, and, and and what we've done. Now, the problem is um, our chronic disease burden has increased, unfortunately, and that's also a lot of different variables. Um, our immune system not being challenged enough. Um, there's also, um, I, I think I heard the fact since the 1950s or 60s, about 50 to 60,000 new chemicals have been introduced into the modern environment, right? Yeah. So I think that's in the past. Main issues. Yeah. It's, it, it, it stays. It's these forever chemicals. And so it's really hard to get out of our soil or water, you know, once they're there. So I think that's a huge, huge issue. And that's why our body, like our body doesn't, isn't meant to be under attack, you know, like it's not, it's supposed it, to. Yeah. It, it's like one way to think about it is like our, our body is actually highly trained to deal with out, the outside environment. Actually, the problem is, uh, you, you know, it co-evolved over millions of years to do that. And it does, it, does, it did that well, but then all of a sudden, you know, you have a completely different environment of 50,000 new chemicals. And many of those haven't been tested for a long time. And they are having an effect uh, on our body. And it's not just like one thing, right? Let's just say like, like for instance, glycophosphate is a very controversial thing because um, uh, it's a pesticide that's used and, and people will say, yeah, it's, not, it's not a big deal. Like nothing happens from it. But it, it, when, you, when you stack that on top of all of these other things, the modern American diet and all of these things, you are doing enormous damage to uh, your system. And different people have different sensitivities to that. And so that's why we develop all of these issues. And quite frankly, there is also something very unique going on in the United States specifically because of our food system and the commercialization of a lot of things. Um, People might have had this experience if they go to Europe and they eat the food, they might lose weight, they might feel better. They're eating the same things, bread, milk, all of these things that they have to avoid here in the United States. I I had a a co-worker visit from Colombia I took him to Erewhon. We went to Erewhon. He's like, what the hell is this place? <laughs> First of all, why is, every, why is everybody trying to avoid gluten and dairy? And like, there's 18 different hours. Like, like, you could eat like four foods now. No, no, <laughs> it makes I, no I, sense. <laughs> when I went to Colombia, I felt really good. Like, it's weird, you know, and the food was great. I loved, I, that was a great uh, Yeah, and, and, and the important thing is, it's because in those places, they don't rely on highly industrialized agriculture, right? I, I mean, if you look at industrialized agriculture, the way, you know, everything from the chickens to how they even do the monocropping and stuff like that. This different. Like, our chickens, our cows, everything looks different here. Like, it's not... You know, in South America, their cows are like skinny and actually look lean. 
They're not these fat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They look, they look normal. Everything. And that is it's funny. It's not only the animals here. Like everything's oversized right here. Everything is supersized. The chickens are supersized. The, the beef is supersized. They've been genetically modeled. Even the fruit that we get, right? Like I, I, I look out to the grocery store now and I see an apple like this big or like a strawberry. I'm just like, there's something going on here, right? Like, like everything has been modified to be bigger, to last longer. Yeah. And look, that's okay in some instances, all right? Okay, I, I'm not, like, like once again, this has allowed a lot of prosperity. But we must be conscious of the negative effects of a lot of these things as well. And that's, that's the whole argument here. And so the food system, uh, the modern industrialized food system here has a lot of negative drawbacks that affects our health um, very in a very negative way, oftentimes, and different people have different susceptibilities to it. But that's where the blood work and, and just tying it back to the inflammation, we can look at certain inflammatory markers in your blood work. And the main ones we look at in our baseline test are uh, something called HSCRP and homocysteine. And HSCRP, high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, is actually a very, very good indicator of chronic inflammation in your body. And uh, so that's one of the markers that we want to look at. We want to keep that level now low. It's a little bit confusing sometimes because um, if you're going through some sort of acute inflammation, that that number could be transiently elevated. So it's, it's not just important to just get the blood work done. It's important to get the blood work done and do a consultation so we interpret it properly. Um, and the same with the homocysteine levels, which is another infl inflammatory marker that we do on our uh, blood tests that can cause damage to your arteries. Uh, and actually vitamins and minerals like B vitamins help keep that, um, keep that on the lower end. So I guess what, what do you see most common and do you test and do you test for pesticides or anything in the blood? Like I know even like glyphosate, very like healthy people still find glyphosate in their blood. You know, it's, it's just there. Do you guys ever test for pesticides? I, I don't think, I don't think we test for like glyphosate, like, um, directly or anything, but we do, we, we, we cause we, we need to be actionable about everything that we do. And, uh, and, and so just to give you an example, like, what are these things actually doing? Like, like what are these pesticides and these chemicals actually doing? The number one thing that they do is they, they, they mess up the gut lining. Okay, so so they so your small intestine and your and your large intestine, especially your small uh, intestine, the endothelium, the lining in your gut is very uh, is a very thin lining. It, it should look like this essentially, and this is where all the absorption of your food takes place. And what happens is, and your listeners might have heard the term leaky gut, is yeah. all of these um, outside uh, triggers like like potential certain pesticides and the uh, uh, the standard American diet. Okay they damage this lining significantly uh, through multiple ways and it becomes like this. Okay. So it becomes like an open lining. And then all of a sudden what's happening is, is that uh, what should be harmless foods, they are triggering an allergic response. All right. So, so you should not have a negative reaction necessarily to certain foods that people eat uh, that, that are normal, but they, they do. And then all of a sudden your immune system is reacting in a negative way and it's causing this inflammation that we talk about. Right. And so yeah. th that's really the, so, so we, we can test for leaky gut. Essentially, there's a lot of testing, gut health testing, where if there are certain uh, proteins that are elevated, like the zonulin, it indicates a leaky gut. We, we get, we can test and see if you have a sensitivity to gluten. Um, wheat has been hybridized to hell and back in the United States, meaning it doesn't even resemble what we 
what we evolved with. So it's um, it, it is <laughs> this causes damage to most people. People are all you know why stay away from gluten? I'm like it's just so commercialized, like it's just so processed, and it has like the most you know pesticides and everything. So. Uh, yeah, I this is a very important point because when I first, like five, six years ago, when I was exposed to these ideas, I was like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Why should we stop eating wheat? We, uh, you know, 10,000 years ago since the advent of agriculture, this is what people have necessarily, this is essentially what we've been eating, right? Yeah. Um, and so I know there's some negative effects from a wheat heavy diet, but it didn't make sense um, uh, in my mind. Like, this is like a major cause of chronic disease issues. But certainly the modern version of wheat and gluten and the pervasiveness in the American diet um, is causing issues for a lot of people. I'm not going to make a blanket statement and say for everybody, if you feel healthy and feel great and your blood work is good, please do not change your diet, right? This is why we always want to go based on, on real information uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and testing. But if you, if you feel like there's something going on, we just want to understand that more. And oftentimes a, um, a, a small elimination diet of gluten and even dairy sometimes can yield some valuable insights into what the triggers are. Yeah. And some healing. I just feel, you know, there's a, a lot going on with people's body, their gut. And so taking these things away just helps whatever you need to heal or detox, you know? <laughs> yeah, what 100%. And then that's what we want to do. So when we do the testing, we can understand, hey, do you have any sensitivities to these foods? Yeah. And, and, and I can get into the detail of this. We probably have limited time, but there's allergies, there's sensitivities, there's intolerances. Those are all different pathways. And yeah. so we must be mindful of all those different pathways. But uh, sensitivities, which indicate more chronic inflammatory issues, um, one of those uh, things is we want to understand that and it, and, it's, and it starts as a foundation of a food elimination diet because when, when we, maybe we can go into this, like, like diet has gotten, mm -hmm. is more of a minefield than like religion and politics these days, right? It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, you, <laughs> like people are like carnivore or vegetarian, like, like you don't even want to get into the diet argument, right? Because people are like, they're, they'll go to war for their diet. And I'm just like, okay. Um, but, but let's just, <laughs> let's just understand, you know, all me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, there's important insights to be gleaned from that because oftentimes people have such seen such dramatic, uh, positive results from these dietary changes that they've become strong advocates for it. Right. Um, yeah. but the thing to understand about diet and nutrition is we have some general ideas of what works. Uh, in a general way, and, and mostly like unprocessed real foods, whole foods, for instance, and kind of likely more of a Mediterranean style. But in general, different things work for different people, and different things work for different people at different periods in their life. So what is optimal for you in your 20s, for instance, might not be the same when you're 40s and 50s. So by doing the testing, we could get a better idea of um, uh, the type of diet that's going to keep you healthy. Yeah. So... Out of, since you see so many people, I'm curious, do, what are the most common deficiencies in this typical panel that you see? Yeah, so we test for, in the baseline test, we test for two main uh, vitamins, uh, vitamin B12 and vitamin D. Um, obviously, vitamin D is a, is a very, a D as in dog is a very common one because um, the, the main pathway by which is synthesized is actually the sun. And if you think about how we evolved once again, we were outside the vast majority of the time, right? So yeah. 
Uh, in fact, uh, as humans, um, you know, uh, emigrated out of Africa, our skin color directly changed in response to uh, sunlight exposure, telling you the importance of that, the massive implications of that on our health that it was selected for. Uh, the, the better you could absorb certain rays of, uh, of sunlight and synthesize vitamin D, there's a lot of variables there, but just that's just in general. So vitamin D is a very common deficiency, even in sunny L.A., uh, we see a lot of people who are deficient in it. Um, this doesn't mean you should necessarily go out in the sun for hours and hours and hours, because then we have to worry about other things like, um, you know, damage from the sun. But at the same time, you can do targeted sun exposure, right? I mean, you know, being out in the morning or in the early evening and yeah. stuff like that is not necessarily going to. Exactly. I, you know, I'm just, I remember listening to a podcast, I think it was Dr. Gundry who helps patients in, in Palm Springs, which is sun, you know, nonstop and warm and i'm like and he would see deficiencies in vitamin d all the time so it's, it's a very common thing. it's common yeah. your skin color my skin color i'm darker skin that's gonna affect it right uh compared to you so i might need a little bit more sun exposure and stuff like that but vitamin d is a common one and you know a deficiency is like sub 30 essentially but we see a lot of like i would say subclinical so people who are lower uh, you know, functional health has its own ranges for optimal health. Um, there is some controversy around supplementation of vitamin D and how effective that is in improving health outcomes. But uh, we think it can be beneficial if it's used yeah. because, you know, th this the hard part about this is, like I alluded to earlier, when you're dealing with such a complex system, it's not as simple as your vitamin D is low, take vitamin D. There is a complex number of things. Even vitamin D absorption and where it goes is affected by other fat-soluble vitamins, like vitamin K, for instance, right? So, yeah. or other minerals, like uh, and so. Fact, like fat-soluble, water-soluble, and then even I did like a genetics test. I'm, you know, uh, I guess I don't absorb vitamin D as well either, based on some genes I have, some variants. So that's this is another great example. Like, like, like when we take genetics into account, when we take all, so when we are looking at the full picture and we're looking at genetics and epigenetics and blood work, we could give much more specific recommendations of what you need to do. And we're not just going based on, on, on the data, by the way. Okay. That, that's only one part of the story. The yeah. other part of the story is what you're telling us, right? Well, your health history, your health goals, your health concerns, all of these things we want to take into account. And we do a very deep consultation. We, we go through everything. We want to understand everything. We're not just going to come in for 10 minutes and say, you're good. We want to understand all of these variables, uh, understand how they interplay, and then give you this guidance. So vitamin D is a common one that we see that's on the lower end. B vitamins, we, we can think of them as the energy vitamins. They are implicated in hundreds of biological functions in your body. B6, B12. They're so important. The B vitamins actually break down uh, homocysteine, which is an inflammatory marker. So if you have like low B vitamin levels, your homocysteine is likely increased, causing damage to your arteries as well. Uh, if you have low B vitamin levels, uh, energy production in your body is likely um, uh, has a bottleneck to some degree. Do you guys so, from magnesium, selenium, and iodine? Yeah, so so we have in our standard baseline test, those minerals are not tested for, but we have a more advanced micronutrient panel which uh, we test 33 different vitamins and minerals, even things like omega-3. Uh, another issue, omega-6 to omega-3 ratio. The standard American diet is very high in omega-6s and very low in omega-3s. And this is very, very important. This is very important for yeah. all sorts of things. Um, uh, you know, cell, uh, cell membrane receptor, uh, the way your cells communicate. Less omega, like it's associated 
associated less omega threes, then you you have brain shrinkage. That's what. One hundred percent. So so omega three is is very much important for brain health, right? It's a healthy fat. Our brain, yeah. a lot of it is fat, and so a healthy fat is very uh, important uh, in, in how our brain communicates. And so. Uh, at the end of the day, there's a lot of variables, but yes, we do have a micronutrient test that looks at all the vitamins and minerals that you brought up. Um, uh, even things like selenium, trace minerals, uh, there's things that people don't look at, even like vitamin K. Um, but, but the bottom line is you want to keep these numbers in a healthy range, and that could fluctuate over time. It's modifiable by diet, lifestyle. So that's really what we want to understand, but we do do testing on that. And do you, what do you, do you see deficiencies in the, of the nutrients? Oh yeah, we, we see deficiencies all the time and, and all sorts of different things. So it's very common for anybody who does a micronutrient test to have at least one or two deficiencies and, uh, and things. What's harder to say is, is that manifesting in any specific symptoms, right? Um, uh, for some people it is, for some people it might be a little bit more insidious, but uh, either way, it's very common to have deficiencies. Nobody's diet is perfect. Um, even if your diet is perfect, um, if your absorption or how your gut is absorbing it is off, uh, that, that's going to be an issue. That's why gut health is so important, because if, you're, yeah. if you your gut's not working well, absorption is not working well. I know. And that's why sometimes you have to do the IVs to get it to your blood, you know, instead of going through the gut initially, if you have so many. Gut exactly. Issues. That's yeah. what we do. We do that at Next Health specifically. We do IV therapy and it's just a, a way to think about it is it's just, it's just a line of vitamins and minerals straight into your bloodstream. You bypass the, the, the gut where there's so much, you know, it has to go through a lot of different processes. And so you get kind of a straight line of vitamins and minerals and a lot of people benefit from uh, something like that. So quick question about hormones as well. Do you see a lot of le- low testosterone and a lot of low T3? Yes. So, so well, testosterone obviously is a very, very important, uh, you know, uh, hormone. T3 is a very important uh, thyroid marker. So one thing I didn't mention is we do, uh, hormones are a major part of our baseline test, actually. So if you do that $300 panel, you will get a ton of information on hormone health. You know, you have your sex hormones like testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, which we're not just talking about like reproduction and fertility here. We're talking about like mood, drive, motivation, brain health, you know? So these are huge. Uh, They play a major part in how how good you feel. And uh, certainly those hormones there's a lot of dysfunction in them, right? We There's an epidemic of low testosterone. Once again, maybe it's... Like, what's the typical range for men? Yeah, I mean, in an ideal world, um, we, we think that, you know, testosterone levels of over 600, and by the way, there's variability here on an individual level, but in general, over 600 seems to be associated with very positive health outcomes in the long term um, uh, over time to keep, keep, it, keep it at those numbers. As we get older... Our, uh, our hormone systems naturally tend to uh, diminish, uh, especially testosterone. So I, in an ideal world, we're keeping that number over 600. Now, once again, everybody's baseline might be a little bit different, um, but most people are not optimal when it comes to hormones. Um, and so we, we, we actually do hormone therapy at Nextel. Typically, you want to wait um, until you're older, but there's a lot that goes into hormone production. So we want to get the basics right. Like You have to get sleep right. You have to get movement right. You have to get... Yeah. nutrition right so definitely we see uh testosterone on the low end quite a bit uh that's de- that, that's something even, even for women testosterone could be quite low and we need to optimize that so 
uh, for, for both sexes. The bottom line is the way to think about this is you, if you, the earlier you get tested and the more testing you do. So let's say you do two blood tests a year. You start out when you're 25 or 30 years old. You know, by the time you're 40, we have a wealth of information on cause and effect, right? We can actually correlate those numbers to how you feel, what's causing a decline in those. We can make changes in those numbers. We can modify it. And that's the general idea here. And so uh, we do test testosterone. That's definitely something you want to keep an eye on. Uh, Thyroid markers are very, very important. They're your major regulatory hormones. And like you said, T3, T4, um, all of those things we want to keep an eye on. Um, There's a lot of people who are, you know, hypothyroid. There's some people who are hyperthyroid. The thyroid is very susceptible to inflammation, to stress. We live in a high stress environment. So it's something to keep in mind. Um, Just another uh, fact, you know, we just talked about men's hormones, but women's hormones, I see a lot of this. I see a lot, it, and it, it, it typically presents in a very specific uh, demographic. It's literally, you say like a 20 to 45 year old women, you know, reproductive age females, their hormones are, are, are held in this, you know, this very fine balance and um, any outside stressors have a pretty big impact on those hormones. And there is a lot of outside stressors. So, um, you know, there's a lot of type A people, they, they work out a lot. They undereat often, they're counting calories or something like that, and they have high stress jobs. And that is just a recipe for disaster for your hormone health, for reproductive hormone health. Because the way your body thinks about it is like, if you're, you know, actually, I see this uh, with a lot of uh, women who go to like soul cycle classes multiple times a week or high intensity physical activity classes. Like they just feel drained and they develop things like PCOS or digestive issues and even anxiety and stuff like that. That, are, that is their hormone systems just going haywire because what happens is your body has a very fine balance that it's in and it has to allocate resources properly. And at the top of that are the reproductive hormones, right? Like estrogen and testosterone. But if your body senses that survival is at stake, like your body's like, oh my God, there's a famine or a war or something like that. Well, forget about reproduction, right? It's gonna, I'm, I'm gonna downregulate all of that Instead, put it all into my adrenal hormones like cortisol and, and uh, you yeah. know, all these other things. And, and, and that's what happens. And, and then all of a sudden it manifests with gut health issues, anxiety, uh, you know, low energy, hormone issues. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Oh. <laughs> well, Jenny, did I lose you? Oh, there, there you are. Go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. And I think we, especially in today's society, it's just like, especially LA, it's just go, go, go and try to do as much as possible, which can do more damage to your health by not sleeping, by working out so much, by these typical stressors. So it's like something to think about to kind of slow down and and just a good thing for our health is just to like somewhat get some good sleep, slow down, listen to your body instead of just go, you know. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the key word uh, I try and uh, get across to people is nourishment. You want to nourish your body, all right? You, you don't want to drain your body all the time. You want to nourish your body. You want to feed it well. You want to, you know, rejuvenate. All rejuvenation happens during sleep, right? So sleep is so, so important. Your neurotransmitters regenerate during sleep. You know, when, when people deal with anxiety, depression, all of these other issues, 
you know, oftentimes the genesis of that is is just very poor sleep habits because so much of that stuff uh, happens during uh, sleep. So nourishing your body, getting well rested, and when you feel good, then you could exert yourself. Then you could go, you, you know, do the things that you need to do. But you need to prioritize nourishment. Yeah, I like that. So let's. So you also do. Um, so you test for mold and Lyme. Are those typical tests you do, or just if someone ha- is having typical issues? And do most people, when they go to you with these health issues, do you see a lot of mold? Do you see? Yeah. So, so not, uh, I, I personally, um, don't, uh, deal with that, but we do have like environmental toxin, uh, testing and like mold testing. Uh, we do have like Lyme patients dealing with inflammation. It's not the primary thing we do, but we certainly do a lot of testing, uh, around that. We give guidance on that. Oftentimes, you know, next health is a, a health optimization and longevity center. And so that's our main focus. Um, we, we're not a replacement for primary care physician. Yeah. So yeah. what we do, what we often do is we interface uh, with your physician. We, we give you a lot of guidance. We do a lot of testing that traditional healthcare providers might not do, give you more insights into your health. Um, uh, but but yeah, we, we do testing for a lot of those things. I have to check on the Lyme disease testing, but we do want to look at a lot of these environmental toxins. Heavy metals is another big thing, right? A lot of people are dealing with heavy yeah. metal burdens. So we do a test that. A lot of people have heavy metals. That messes with your whole system. Mm-hmm. So what do you do for these, like once, you know, okay, you get all these results, someone's low, someone has heavy metals. What is your typical then after you tell the patients, what do you do with that material? Yeah. So, so, so great question. It, it all starts and ends with uh, exactly what that data says, right? So we, we get the testing and let's say a typical patient, they do the baseline, they might do some heavy metal testing. Uh, they come in, they have a deep consultation. Uh, many, many times it's with our medical director, Dr. Uh, Egler here in, uh, um, in Los Angeles. And uh, especially if you're dealing with chronic health issues, he'll give you some uh, great guidance. We always want to work on a strong foundation like nutrition, movement, sleep, but also we want to help with hormone health and all the other variables, vitamins and minerals. And then there are advanced therapies uh, one can do, right? I mean, um, you, you might be familiar with things like ozone therapy. Um, there's yeah. a lot of um, you know detoxification protocols one might have to do uh, in order to do this. E- even like you know, straightforward things like, you know, sauna therapy that could help. Uh, there could be supplementation that is useful in these scenarios. Uh, there are instances where medication might be required. So bottom line is we, we want to do the testing that we think is appropriate. We want to have a deep consultation and then we will give you pretty much all the different modalities and different ways to address those issues. So do you guys recommend supplements, like specific supplements, specific detoxes? Yeah, it depends. Um, Like, I'm not going to say like how specific, it just, it just depends, but certainly uh, supplements, there are certain supplements that, that we might recommend just to give you an example, methylated B vitamins. A lot of people might have like a gene mutation where they, where they don't, uh, you know, methylate the B vitamins and stuff. Well, so the supplement industry is, uh, you have to be careful. You have to be careful. Okay. It's confusing. It's not well regulated. It's a lot of snake oil out there. So yeah. you you have to um, be careful. So we want to put our trust. We, we want to use, you know, evidence-based practices to understand what's going to work. We want to put our trust in very, very good brands. We don't necessarily want people to be taking a million supplements. Um, uh, we, we, so, so we want specific reasons to take it. Some people might have to take more supplements. Um, I like experimenting with supplements, but in general, um, yeah, we want to be conscious of that. 
and recommend appropriate supplements. And there are scenarios where we do recommend uh, supplementation. And you guys also do DNA testing. And so I, I've, a lot of people have been asking me about DNA testing. And do you think that's very helpful? What are the typical variants you, you might see and which you guys do the three by four? Uh, DNA yeah, uh, yeah, we, we, we do. We, we do something called like a lifestyle DNA test, which gives okay. you a lot of great information. It's called the three by four test. Uh, a lot of important gene consideration, like the MTHFR, COMT, essentially everything from how certain, you know, proteins are expressed, hormones, um, even if like, you, you do better on a more carb heavy diet or a fat heavy diet, detoxification pathways, methylation pathways, we get a lot of important information. We even look at things like the ApoE4, uh, ApoE gene, yeah. right? Like you might be familiar, Chris Hemsworth, um, uh, I, I think it was months ago or, or yeah. earlier this year, he, he was on TV with Dr. Peter Atia, who's great. He has that amazing book, Outlive. Um, yeah. but, but he has two copies of the ApoE4 gene mutation, which mm -hmm. predisposes you to higher risk of um, neurodegenerative disorders and even cardiovascular disease. And that's important to understand because it's not a... None of these things are deterministic, meaning they, they, if, if you have them, that doesn't mean you're going to get these, this, these disease. It just increases your likelihood. And so you have to be a little bit more cautious with things like your diet and, and, and things like sleep uh, and all these other variables. So that gives us some good information. Obviously, another um, things uh, listeners might be familiar with, the BRCA1 and 2 mutation, which increases risk of cancer, especially a breast and ovarian cancer. Um, mm -hmm. So we have a color genetic test, which actually looks at all of these mutations. So understanding genetics is a it's almost like the starting point kind of to then uh, let, let's get into all this other blood work and everything else so we do like to do the three by four a genetic test and also a cancer a genetic test too how does the food play i i don't really understand how the genetics play into like maybe i shouldn't be eating so much fat or so many carbs i've heard some amazing things where people do this test and they go by what they're you know the genes and they say okay i changed my diet i feel amazing now so I think a lot of people are looking at food because you get that root test result and then you can change your diet and then do something, right? So what are those yeah. genes that play a role into uh, foods I should eat? Yeah, that, that's a, that, so, so the way to think about it, like, let's just get the, th the three by four test might, might tell you a few pieces of information. So, so they've essentially done a lot of studies on genetics and looking at different, you know, let's say certain genes and people with these genes, they seem to have. Uh, better health outcomes or able are able to maintain a healthier weight when there's more carbohydrates in their diet, you know, and, and this makes sense, right? Because we all uh, kind of evolved at different parts of the world, different nutritional needs. And so there's different types of things that are available. Just to give you an example, I mean, um, if you are a Midwesterner, okay, raised on seven generations of bison, you are likely going to tolerate meat better than someone like me, who's from India, um, who, 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 who very rarely might have eaten something like that, right? Yeah. Um, and so that's not necessarily exactly what genetics, gen the genetic test is showing, but th there's some information similar to that. So once again, we, th there is a certain pathways that might say you might do better on more carbohydrates in your diet, right? Or it could say that your detoxification pathways um, are not so great and you need more cruciferous vegetables in your diet. So... There's better ways. It, it just gives us more clarity and understanding what is actually a pretty complex thing, which is nutrition. Um, and it just gives us more clarity and understanding what might be appropriate for you as, as a person. Um, 
just another example. I had um, this this actress um, who came in, and she was um, she had she said she was working with all these uh, trainers, and um, uh, they, they were all I mean uh, they were all bro trainers essentially. So work 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 for those bro trainers. Uh, they were trying to have work for her with the high intensity exercise, the strength training. She was I'm not seeing any results. She came into Nextel. She did the genetic testing. She did like certain other tests. And she saw the results based on the guidance we gave her because it was very specific to her, right? It wasn't just what worked for that dude out there. It was what's going to work for you. And that's the way to think about it is what does individualized data-driven healthcare look like? Mm -hmm. Um, That's the main goal. And, And so genetics plays an important role in all of this. I love that. Yeah. I just, so many people are asking questions about DNA, like all these tests. There's so many tests out there. So yeah. So you guys have the three by four genetic as I'm trying to food sensitivity test, um, Mm -hmm. which you recommend. Yeah. I mean, a food sensitivity, it depends if you're dealing with uh, issues. I I think most people would benefit from something like that. Once again, we're looking at, uh, you know, any issues with leaky gut or, uh, an overactive immune response. Another way to think about this, if your immune re- system is constantly reacting to foods that you're eating, that's likely draining your body of energy, right? Because uh, once again, your body has to allocate resources and your immune system is so important. And so if you have leaky gut and then everything you eat is causing an immune system response, which may or may not actually involve symptoms, you, it's still not a good thing. And so uh, we want to be conscious of that. And so the food sensitivity test allows us to understand chronic inflammation a little bit better in your body um, and gives us um, more, uh, just more and more clarity on, on what you should be eating, essentially. Yeah, I think a lot of people go towards that that have some like allergies going on thinking that that might help them avoid what's happening. But I think just the nutrients, everything plays a role, right? So it's like if you have gut issues, if you have, you know, deficiencies, and then you also have these food sensitivities, then it's just all combining to like some, you know, type of inflammation in the body. You you put it right. There's all of these variables. And at the end of the day, what I tell people is the more testing, the more information we have, the better guidance we're able to give you. For most people, start with, if you've never done anything before, if you feel good, just a baseline test is very, very, I got a lot of my friends to do it recently. Gives a lot of great information. If you are dealing with certain issues, definitely um, uh, there's a lot of other amazing testing options. I mean, look, if I had unlimited resources, I would do all the testing, right? Like, like I, I'm lucky enough that I, I work... <laughs> to test yourself all the time. Yeah, I, I'm lucky enough. Uh, we, we have an executive physical program, so I work with um, some very high end uh, people, people with essentially unlimited resources, effectively. And um, for them, you know, they've worked so hard, they've made a, a lot of money. Guess what? They would trade every single cent for their health, right? Their, their health, their youth. You know, Warren Buffett would trade every single penny to be in your or my shoes right now, right? Uh, all all hundred billion dollars. So. This is really, the way to think about this is it is the most important thing in the world is your health, is how how good you feel. Because that affects everything. It affects the quality of your relationships. It affects, you know, it, it, there's not a single thing that it doesn't touch. Yeah, I know. And and your yourself, your expression to other people, your energy, just all around. That's why I'm like, once you kind of get over that hump of like, you know, feeling sick, feeling fatigued, feeling tired. You just want everyone to get to that state because you're like, 
this is what life is supposed to be about. You're not supposed to be unhealthy. You're not supposed to be fatigued. You're not supposed to be, you know, feel sad. Like you're supposed to feel excited for life and feel good and feel energized. So, and I think like is, is just a great start for people. Yes. So, so in that sense, and this could be a great kind of just to, to wrap it all up because, you yeah. know, I, I dealt with um, these chronic health issues and I, and I felt that way, right? I, I felt just like low energy. I didn't, uh, even though I, I consider myself highly extroverted, I love people. Uh, there was periods where I did not want to talk to a single person. I didn't want to interact with a single person because of the nature of what you're going through. Yeah. And today... When you feel good, when you feel healthy in the morning, when you wake up with excitement and vitality, it's a whole different ballgame out there, right? It's a whole different world out there, a world of opportunity, a world with amazing people. Like, like, like you just want to, and then you want to share it with everybody. Yeah, I know. So I just, that's why I'm like, I want people to feel good. This is my passion. And I think, you know, doing the lab work, testing, seeing results, you know, you actually see what's going on and you can take action, you know? So, um, but yeah, so thank you for all of this great information. This was hopefully helpful for many people because they're always wondering which lab testing to do and all that. So this is the biohacker Blondie podcast. So, um, what are your three favorite biohacks you would like to tell everyone about? Oh gosh. Uh, well, well, first of all, thank you. And I know there was a lot of information that we went over. Um, and so um, it's, it's a lot to sit on for people who might not be used to it. As, as far as three favorite biohacks, uh, <laughs> I, I love that question. And and you are a biohacker blondie, so you, pro- you probably want to invent biohacks. But <laughs> I'm going to, here's the, here's the thing. It's, and it's so boring. It is so um, you know, I've been thinking about and writing about this for, for, for many, many years. And I talk about this to clients. Um, and, um, it, 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 but, but, but they're just so fundamental. And so first, I'm just going to say the three pillars really are your nutrition, your movement, and your sleep. Do what you can to optimize those things, and you will go a long way. As far as specifics, though, when it comes to nutrition and stuff, I do think essentially a, and you, you, this might be common sense, but uh, mostly unprocessed whole foods is very good. Don't eat too close to bedtime. Have a few hours because this is when your body is regenerating. It gives your digestive system to rest. So you're going to feel better in the morning when you do that. And then another great thing is actually some movement after you eat. So, you know, most people I see, they think because they did the one hour gym workout, it absolves them from all movement for the rest of the day that they can just sit on the couch for eight hours and watch, you know, do whatever they want. No, yeah, <laughs> you have to, you, it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much, but like 15 to 20 minutes, three to four times a day will put you in the top 90th percentile, even maybe even higher than that. And the biohack there is quite frankly, most people are not gym goers and most people never will be. So create an environment that is conducive to it. I'll, I have a pull-up bar here. I have a kettlebell here and I have some bands and you just do, you know, do some jumping jacks in between. Exactly. That really is so helpful. And it actually (laughs) gets your energy up throughout the day. I think a lot of people will go to coffee when they're sitting at their desk all day and just go to coffee, but really doing like a few jumping jacks, a few push-ups, whatever, just like right there for, you know, five minutes 
done. Your energy goes back up, you know? Yeah. The, the, the people who are drained the most of energy, unfortunately, are people who are doing the least movement. The people who are in front of their computer the whole day, right? That, that's paradoxically, even though you think you're conserving energy, they are the people who are actually just, just leaking energy and actually movement creates energy. And yeah. so the more we move and, and Dr. Shaw, uh, the founder and CEO of Next, he calls these exercise snacks. Just get up. Even the smallest bit does so much. Yeah, exercise snacks. Do some exercise snacks throughout the day. Um, uh, you know, small things. I, I, I just, you know, after you eat a meal, like the, the habit is just put on your shoes and go outside. It's not even a 10-minute walk. It's not a 15-minute walk. The habit is put on your shoes and go outside or even go barefoot. I don't care. But just do that and walk however long it takes. And that one habit alone will have massive compound effects over the course of your life. Yeah. It lowers your blood glucose. Like, you know, exactly. Glucose goddess. She always does this where she's like, this is my blood glucose. If I don't move after a meal and this is like, you know, if I do move and it goes way down, if you do movement, she's a great follow (laughs) glucose goddess, Jesse. She, uh, we, we use her stuff. We recommend her book. Uh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. glucose revolution. Um, if anybody's dealing with, uh, you know, metabolic issues like diabetes, that's actually a wonderful resource. But she talks about this uh, and she has some great biohacks about, you know, sequence, meal sequencing, if you really want to get into the weeds. But uh, all of that is, is good information. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I know we're all very busy. And so this means a lot for you to come on my podcast and take the time out of your day and for all my listeners. So thank you so much, Sarish. I really, really appreciate it. Hopefully this helps people. And um, yeah, I guess we'll wrap that up. Yeah, thank you, Jenny. I appreciate it as well. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Biohacker Blondie podcast. It's been an enlightening journey diving into the intricacies of blood work and its profound impact on our health. Guided by the insights of Sarish from Next Health, from discussing the complexities of autoimmune conditions to exploring the transformative effects of nutritional changes. This episode has been a deep well of knowledge. As we wrap up, I'd like to ask for a small yet significant favor if this episode sparked new thoughts or offered valuable information, please leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. Your feedback not only supports our growth, but also helps me reach and inform a broader audience, allowing us to continue delivering engaging and informative episodes. Don't forget to share this episode with your network, whether it's friends, family, or colleagues, your support in spreading the word about Biohacker Bondi podcast is invaluable in building our community of health enthusiasts and biohackers. For those interested in sponsorships or collaborations, feel free to connect with me on Instagram or through my website. I'm always open to exploring new opportunities and partnerships. Once again, thank you for tuning in. Remember to embrace your curiosity, continue biohacking, and never forget your health truly is your wealth.